0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Grange TV. We have with us a very, very special guest, an actor, a former UFC middleweight, international kickboxing federation, light heavyweight world champion, strike force world champion, three times bronze medalist in Sancho, 2007 Kung Fu uh, Artist of the Year. I know I've missed a lot of your accomplishments, but Mr. Kung Lee, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Hey, thanks for having me on.
0: Um, Kung, can let's start off. We never really spoke before, so I just to break the ice a little bit. Uh, do you want to talk about uh, DC versus Steeper, and then we can sort of um, we can sort of go into your time at AKA. Did that? Did that coincide with uh, DC's time in AKA?
1: Um, towards the end of my career, DC was already there. Uh, he was actually the wrestling coach, and I went to you know um, several of his uh, wrestling classes um so um definitely you know uh amazing person great father uh great husband and you know obviously uh i i believe he's 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 one of the best uh you know heavyweights uh you know in the business um, and light heavy as well you know
0: yeah he's he's got his, what was it so what was your feelings in that fight watching that fight seeing a former teammate and someone of of his caliber, and also retire.
1: Well, yeah, you know, I watched all three fights. Right, obviously the first fight was a little tighter, and and then then in the in the clinch he he caught uh, Stippy and 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 basically finished him on the ground. Uh, on their rematch, I felt like he was winning most of the rounds, and he got caught with that body punch at the end, which turn would turn turn the tide you know, and then, uh, then then he got caught and, you know, um, uh, Steppe uh, finished him, you know, and then for on this fight, you know, it was, uh, you know, it it just, look, I, I, I'm not trying to make any excuses for DC, but I know how it is when you get, like, you know, your eye messed up, you know, it, it definitely affects the peripheral vision and, you know, everything, but, you know, it's it just, you know, I, I feel like, you know, he he's got a, a couple more good fights and I, I would I would have loved to see if how he would have done without that injury, you know? So
0: do you think uh he'll stay retired
1: <sighs> You know I that I don't know, you know. Um I you know he it's it's not like he doesn't have anything else going on. He's a great, you know, um color commentator, you know, he's great. Uh, he's got a lot of things going on. So um you know I, I don't know. I don't know.
0: The reason I ask that is because you had you went two and two in the UFC. You were already a strike force champion. Um I watched the whole career. I watched your whole you know the whole thing. Um you 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 left the UFC but you you still had a lot of fights left in you i suppose like at least from a fan's perspective i don't know what you felt privately but there was also the controversy with which you left the ufc i suppose with the the drug tests and and all of that but irrespective of that because i want to get into that in a second but you still had you you still looked good at the at the when you when you finished. How hard was that for you to transition? Notwithstanding the fact that you you had other things as well, like your acting career, your your writing scripts and everything too. Are, are you not?
1: Yes, I am. Yes, you know, um, I felt like I definitely had a few more good fights in me, uh, but um, I was at a point in my career where um, my son was coming up, and you know he, he wanted to fight. And uh, he had a lot of potential. My son Anthony, who's you know my um, my my middle son, and um, after what uh, the UFC accused me of, which, which is like the uh, HGH, um, I I felt like because I didn't sign this. This is my own opinion, right? Two weeks before um, I um, before the fight against Michael in in uh, Macau. Uh, I was about to leave to finish out my training camp in Vietnam, get you know acclimated to to the time uh, the time change over there, and then um uh, you know they they wanted me to sign a six fight deal, uh, another eighteen month you know contract. And remember, my first contract got pushed for five years, so I don't I don't want to sign it without my lawyer looking at it, and since my lawyer wasn't around. Uh, he was on vacation. Um, I wasn't gonna sign it. So next thing you know, uh, you know, um, why am I getting thrown on the bus? And where, where, how come they didn't do anything with uh, show like Michael's result? And 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 the, and the fact that the Olympic Committee uh, PDF, uh, no sorry, uh, PED specialist, um, Doctor Caitlin came on and says the results. Wrong. You can't test, um, a, you know, you know, someone after a competition. You have to. They have to fast. They they can't have food in their system. Obviously, yeah, I I I had a four round fight. I warmed up before the fight. You know, I um then I was bleeding. So of course my HGH levels gonna be high, and that was the same level that Dr. Caitlin said that Kung should be in, and then I. I even put my own, I when I got home, I retested for any, you know, like any, you know, anabolic and everything in my system. Everything was uh different. I mean everything was the same um except uh the, the HH, My HH was uh, normal because I did it the right way. Everything was on like two separate tests, was it was all it was all similar except the, the test that they had. My HH level was elevated. And on, on when I got back, the test that I did was my HH level was normal. So, and, and I fasted, I got up, I drove to where to take the test, and then I took the test. So, you know, and then they, since Dr. Caitlin said that, and then they had to pull and retract what they, my suspension. So, right there, I'm off the hook. Of course, I could have made this legal and everything, but I, I you know, I, I, I was already dragged underneath the bus. I don't need to go through this. And then when the fact that they, you know, they didn't make a, like a, a simple, like apology, I said, okay, I'm going to join this lawsuit. I don't, I don't, I don't, I, if I stood up for all five, like the 1200 fighters that we're, I'm standing up for now, then, then I, I'm doing justice for, for the, for, for the mixed martial arts, something that I love to do. I love to compete. So I want to give back because it, it, it's given me a, like a, like, you know, like a, a great ride through martial arts, through Sanda kickboxing, through shito Khan, through all the, all the platforms that I, you know, I was successful in and, and, you know, m- my life as a martial artist, I felt like, okay, this will probably be my last fight. And it's the biggest fight because I'm representing 1200 fighters. So I looked at the bigger cause. I could have fought a couple more times, but then, then what, what if my son, you know, grows up and he wants to, you know, compete and he gets to a high level or what about all the other fighters that are, that are dealing with the same situation, getting, you know, bullied and, and, you know, taken advantage of like all my friends, like John Fitch, you know. Um, and you know everyone part of this lawsuit. So I said, you know what? I have to make a decision. So what is it gonna be? So I decided that I will I will stand stand up for all the fighters um in the past, in the at the you know current time and in the future. So I was gonna try to make a, a difference in that. That for me is bigger than any um you know match that could take place and money that can go into my pocket. I wanted to look at the big picture.
0: Um, Well, we kicked off definitely, uh, you know, right into heavier topics. So um, going back to the the drug test, there was a controversy as well. Correct me if I'm wrong, but there was was a controversy in that the – the tests were subsequently destroyed, so they, they couldn't go back and and find the samples. Which then you're meant to keep the samples. Am I correct? I asked
1: that? Him to, I I actually asked him to retest that test, and I wanted to see Michael Bisping's results. And magically, both tests got destroyed. Because if 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 it was you, and you had a extremely or even a, a moderate workout for 30 minutes. And you went and tested 15 minutes later for, um, uh, you know, anabolic. Obviously, I was clean of any anabolic, but the, the HGH, um, the human growth hormone was elevated. Well, you just worked out. You just worked out. It's normal. You can sit in a sauna for 30 minutes and your HGH levels would go up. So, um, you know, if I would, I would have loved to see what, you know, what, uh, uh, my opponent's, uh, you know, uh, levels were,
0: you know, uh, in, in, as far as the drug testing is, uh, is concerned, how do you, uh, do you find that there's a lot of loopholes for the, for the testing? Like, do you think that, that, um, cause you know, the, the audience, people watching and whatnot. They always say, oh no, but in the UFC, the guys are tested and whatnot. And it's it's you're you're led to believe that it's very foolproof. You know, people are people are are tested and you know the tests are, you know, <clears throat> black or white. Obviously in your case, this wasn't you know, this wasn't the case. I've been involved with with fighters in the past where um there is definitely a a discrepancy in in the the testing per se like they didn't they either didn't get tested at the start of the fight or like you said they only got tested at the end in some cases like uh i was with robert Whitaker when he fought romero too in in the second in both fights but in in the second fight um they they didn't get tested before the fight and because they both went to hospital they um they didn't get tested either, you know, so they didn't get tested at all. They didn't get tested before the fight and they didn't get tested after the fight. Um, and I'm not, and I'm not accusing anyone in that scenario because neither fighter got tested, but you know, you'd think that you'd test those two guys at you know, in the middleweight thing, you know, like I'm just, so there is definitely that, that discrepancy as far as what I've been able to see, but I'm, I'm curious your, your take on it.
1: Um, you know, My take on it is um, there's been a lot of cases where um, UFC released it after the fight. You know what I'm saying? They let the fight happen when they knew already ahead of time that that someone tested positive. No names mentioning. No names with the S because it didn't just happen one time. It happen. I can count. Let's see. I can count two right off the top of my head right now. So um, I don't know exactly what happens behind the scenes with the, you know, with, you know, with the bosses. But uh, obviously, you know, it is what it is.
0: Now you're you're involved in a a, a class action uh, versus yes. the UFC. Um, can you can you speak to that a little bit?
1: Yeah, you know, so basically, if you look at the landscape of MMA and you look at all the things that you know the president um, uh, have spoken in the past, how there's there's all kinds of videos out there, right? He mentioned that he pays the fighters this much so they're hungry to fight and it's not like boxing because the boxers get paid so much and sometimes the fights are not the way they expected but all fights are a lot of fights are not you know what people expect it to be you know and sometimes you know um they are but majority of time you know you truly get the fight what everyone has on paper you know and you know I I just see that that with UFC buying up uh WEC, buying up Pride at the time, buying up eventually um um Strike Force, there was nowhere for the fighters to go and negotiate. So with the hum- Muhammad Ali Act from uh from boxing the MMA, that would that would change the landscape, for one. And if UFC, if MMA was going off that, um, the Muhammad Ali Act, now they have to show the fighters what each event potentially could make. And then then the fighters can negotiate from there, right? So, uh, but since they lock down everything where, where did did the fighters, you know, well, they don't have anything to negotiate with. And once they locked it down on a contract, they're locked down on the contract. And, you know, there's a lot of things like if you get after a fight, you get a little injury injury. Why is there a six month extension, you know, after, you know, you know, you you recover from your injury. You know, it's, it's crazy. Like my 18 month, Contract ended up being five years, and I still had two fights on it. But I already accepted a few fights that they um, offered me. I just didn't uh, uh, take it on, uh, didn't have the paper because they ended up changing my opponent. And then, you know, I was actually supposed to fight Michael Bisping earlier when he uh, in Manchester and he ended up getting hurt. But, you know, I ended up going to uh, China and being the, the Dana White out in out in um uh, you know in china and not only was i the dana white out there i was coaching both teams and i was literally there's i think there's a report on espn or uh sure dog where dana white says if it wasn't for Kung, i don't know how the show would have turned out you know even that came out of his mouth because i i I, be- I truly believe with my film background and experience i was able to have the fighters Reenact what happens because a lot of the, um, the, the the camera crew were taking cigarette breaks in China. Those guys are chain smokers. They they put down the camera a lot and they're smoking, and a lot of things happened that they didn't capture. I th- if they would have captured everything, we would probably had the best show. I mean, there was all kinds of crazy stuff that happened on the set. So,
0: can you speak to what you? You spoke earlier about the pressure to sign right to the pressure to sign the contract and you also then uh discuss so three things that are I, that i, that I want to bring up you spoke about the pressure to sign then you spoke about the muhammad ali act and you also spoke about um you sign on and then if you're injured you have a six month extension on your um yeah yeah on your contract which because a lot of people will say oh and I see it, and I hear the fighters say it themselves, and I hear people, you know what you're signing. You 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 sign the dotted line, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, again, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I, one of the things that I notice is when the guys are signing, they're not, they're not guys that have a team of lawyers, and they're signing for now I think maybe 15 and 15. So you sign that. What pressure do you feel to sign, and what pressure do you feel um, – What's your advice should, should that a young fighter should have with the contract?
1: Well, first of all, if it's a young an upcoming fighter, um, sign. you know, they definitely should have a legal representation, right? And their manager should be able to, you know, if they don't have a manager, definitely try to get a, like a good manager that has some kind of pull in the ufc so they can negotiate for them um for me i had an option right so i i was doing films i was going back to back to back doing three movies at once and then then i came back to fighting but then when it was with the ufc uh it was definitely a little bit more like with my age and then Going away and do three films and coming back and and fighting a you know um, a top level fighter in the UFC was definitely um, it didn't work out uh, you know you know for me um, on 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 a few of my fights even in in Strikeforce um, one time so it's 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 very it's very challenging when these fighters that are up and coming and they're signing on for fifteen and fifteen, and they really don't um, have a choice. But after they win and they're and they build a fan base, then they should be able to renegotiate. Look, just like any boxers, when they first start out, they have to start from the bottom. I get it. Everyone starts from the bottom. I start from the from the bottom, but I worked my way and I got my name to a certain point and plus I was doing film at the same time because I knew I couldn't fight forever. I started MMA a little bit late. And so I was making sure I was covering all my bases. Um so a lot of a lot of fighters they they it's like they're focused. That's all they think about. They eat, sleep and 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 um and, and train and want to fight. So they're going to sign the contract and without reading it. But after they're done and they're successful in their fights, they should be able to negotiate a much higher price, but like with the landscape of what's going on with UFC, it's very difficult. You know, there's what there's, it's not like boxing where you have, you know, all these different promoters bidding for the fights, you know, and the fighters can pick the, like the best promoter to go with, the, the highest paying one. So, uh, UFC, when you sign the contract, you sign the contract, and that's why the fighters need this lawsuit because this lawsuit would in in turn change the landscape and and show that if you do take like a powerhouse like this um like UFC to court and win and then how come there isn't a Muhammad Ali Act protecting the MMA fighters? Fighting is fighting. We just MMA fighters have to deal with a lot more than the boxers, you know, not only do we have to deal with um you know boxing, we have to uh, we have to deal with smaller gloves. We have to deal with the knees. We have to deal with the elbows. We have to deal with the, the wrestling. We have to deal with the jujitsu. We have to deal with the ground and pound. The the cage control. I mean, they there should be a Muhammad Ali Act um, protecting the fighters, and the fighters should be making a lot a lot more um, because if it wasn't for the fighters, there there would be no promotion. But if it was, if you can't say that for the promoters. You know, if it wasn't for the promoters, there won't be no fights because there's always going to be another promoter stepping up. You know,
0: it, so it does does MMA fall under the the Muhammad Ali Act? Like in 2016, were they talking about that? Like, or, or it 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 it's not under the Muhammad Ali Act now.
1: So there's a group of fighters that I'm also part of. I'm I'm we're I'm fighting on two fronts. You know, I'm I'm part of this lawsuit. Um, to you know. Uh, the the anti trust against UFC and then um, and then I'm also part of the Muhammad Ali Act push movement which is pushed by MMAFA you know so you know I'm I'm doing everything I could for all the fighters you know that is that is fighting
0: in general are the, are the fighters that you've dealt with or managers or whatever are they supportive of your of what you're doing.
1: You know, when we first when I when I first signed on to the lawsuit, you know, I got a lot of like, you know, undercover fist bumps. Right. And um, I think now, you know, the the case has gone so far and so long. Everyone's still waiting on what's happening. But the great thing about that is we had a great um, hearing and um, which is waiting um, for, uh, you know, this uh, superior judge to you know, um, make a decision. And, then, uh, and, but other than that, we have over 50, 50 plus signatures for the Muhammad Act from Washington, you know, with a lot of Congress with, we got a lot of support for that. So it's just, it's just a matter of time. You know, I think, you know, it was easy. It would already been done. So we're, we're the group of fighters at? We'll, we'll roll up our sleeves and we will get it done. Or we will fight, you know, till, you know, till it's done.
0: You spoke about doing movies and fighting and going backwards and forwards between movies and fighting. Um, just I've seen people, I've never been in movies, but I've seen people be on set and I've seen like, and I've had friends that have done movies and whatnot. And you're there all day sometimes, eh? Like you're there for like, can you it's explain really- that? Because to me, that looks. I, I would rather just go and train in the gym. You know what I mean? Like it, it, the the being on set all day. Can you speak about the challenges? Getting the right food in, just being tired. I've had friends that have been on set for eighteen hours. So, can you can you speak on that?
1: Yeah, you know, um, you know, for me, I've worked. In the Hollywood side, I've worked on the Hong Kong side, the you know the the China filmmaking, and uh, you know it's it's long hours, and if your character is in the film a lot, you're working a lot. So you know, um, not only did I do my own stunts most of the time, you know, I was the actor, and then I also helped with the fight coordination to a lot of the projects that I was on. You know but then when you work with someone like wu ping a uh, master they call him master wu ping who's one of the you know he did the matrix uh he did all the action in the matrix he now he, <clears throat> he's starting to direct more but like when you work for someone like him um he'll he'll get you on set he'll like there you don't even have rehearsal he just see what see if you're able to do it and they shoot so the whole a lot of times you're shooting 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 and then next thing you know, like eighteen hours have have passed, and you you've had like you know two or three small meals, and and um and when you go back, there's really no time to train. You just shower and hit the hit the sack and wake up for an early call.
0: And when you're doing like stunt work and fight scenes and whatnot, um, what's it like to do a fight scene or a, or stunts for fights with someone that Can't really do the martial arts themselves, like you know, you're having to carry them, or or they're swinging punches, and they're swinging because you know I'm watching a movie sometimes that you can tell when a guy can't throw a punch straight, and I imagine that you as a stuntman would eat some of those.
1: So I'm going to give you a quick breakdown on that, right? Please do. So when you deal with an actor, you have to do the whole sequence with the actor sometimes regular speed, sometime like really just to get through it. Then when the actor's done, you're not done. The actor gets to go back to his trailer or he's done for the day. You have to stay there. Now you're working with the stunt, stunt double for that actor. And you have to go through the whole thing again. So they attach it in a way where you can't tell uh, if, if, if it's the actor or the stunt guy hoping that's what they hope they get you know, but as you see, you can see a lot of times that was not the actor. That was not the actor. That was not the actor. It, it it just, it is what it is. We're like into the badlands, right? There's 10 actors on the call sheet. Like every time I looked at the call sheet at first, I was like, yeah, look at me. There's only nine stunt guys. I don't even need a stunt guy. Right. I think it was like two and a half weeks into it. I'm like, I need a stunt guy <laughs> <laughs> guy. Cause I was doing everything. Even standing on my mark, right? Um, yeah. Sometimes there's like a, a guy who can stand on 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 your mark for you, or you know, like like your stunt guys rehearsing the scene so you can watch it. I'm like rehearsing it, then then I get on mark and then ready action, then I'm doing it. So it was it was definitely uh it was I had a lot of fun with Daniel Wu because he he loves to play pranks on on set and, and um you know just working with him. I, I had a great time, but I, I remember when I was done with that, I was like, I am so glad <laughs> that my character got, like,
0: killed <laughs> he off. He got killed.
1: <laughs> yeah, so.
0: It, how do you balance that, though, when, when you have a fight coming up? Like, how, how did you balance?
1: You can't, you know, you just got to say, okay, um, here's my window. When I'm done with the movie, come back and recover for a certain amount of time then start training camp. But like for me, I'm I'm my whole martial arts journey, I train all the time. But when you start doing movies, the only training you're getting is like rehearsal. And that's not really training, right? Or and you're in these costumes and you're dirty and you just want to take a shower and and, and grab a quick bite and go to bed. That's like like a lot of time a lot of times I was, I'm able to train and do something. But it's not like it's not much. It's not like I'm mean, gonna like go and do like a two-hour workout and spar at the end and grapple and wrestle. You know, there's there's no way I would I wouldn't be able to make wake up the next day and 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 get to set on time. You know.
0: Did you take Did you take anyone with you to um like do the pads with you or anything like that?
1: Um, I I when I was uh, getting ready for um the Frank Shamrock fight. I would take Javier Mendez. I, I took him to the set of Tekken and then he held pads for me. Um, but we didn't like spar or anything ch- just because we didn't have anywhere to spar or train, which is he he got himself a nice suite and then um um uh he got it free because you know um he had a hookup at the hotel and then uh you know he just cleared his living room and we hit pads. We hit pads sometimes twice a day. You know, and on days that I, I wasn't um, working, we we'd do a double workout, but it wasn't like regular training. You know, remember, if you're going to bring someone, you have to bring your training partners. You got to bring your sparring partners. What about your jujitsu coach? I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot that goes into a camp. So it just it just doesn't happen when you're working and you have to get into character. And then when when your character, it's not like you're like even like a uh, like a supporting cast. Or even a third supporting cast. If there's a lot of scenes, you're you're working a lot, you know. And then 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 when you go back to your trailer, and, and a lot of people say, it's "Hurry up and wait," you're going back and you're studying your lines. So it's not like okay, I'm going to train now. You go back and prepare for the next scene, and you kind of make sure that you know the scene, you understand, you know what your character needs to do, and be in that mindset before you go back out there and deliver for the director.
0: You know? I imagine you'd be in costume as well, and, and and it is exactly like what you said. You wouldn't be able to just have one thing in your mind, switch, yep. switch, get out of character, because some people are like method actors; they stay in character the the whole time, and you wouldn't be able to just come back in and go, "Oh, so so what are we doing here? What what was the?" Because uh, th- that's what I think I find like incredibly difficult, and I I feel um when when I see actors do start doing uh when I see actors, when I see fighters start doing film and whatnot, I start to look at that and and think like, man, that's, that's affecting that person's training a fair bit. Like, like
1: put it this way. I brought, um, I like, so I brought Javier Mendez out, right. But Javier's he's, he's he's such a busy guy with a lot of fighters. So I would bring out like Scott Sheely, who was, who ended up taking over uh, my training and then, uh, um, I brought him out to a set and I ended up getting him a part and it was for dragon eyes and we're supposed to be training. Like I was like, so I get, I got him a job to help. He was assistant fight coordinator. Then I got him a car- like a part. And every time he acted, I was like, okay, like, you know, cause I, I'm one of those guys that I, I have to be disciplined. I'm going to try to make sure that when we're off, we're done. And uh, I go back to my apartment, I shower and then, I knock on his door. I, I go in his room and he's out. He's out cold. <laughs> I'm like, hey, ah, leave me alone. You know, I'm like, ah, oh, shit. Okay. So it ended up being like, you know, um, me just going for a little run. Uh, you know, I even brought my own little weights. Um, you know, I, I went to uh, uh, big five and went got some dumbbells and like a straight bar and you know, um, had one of my sponsors send up a, a gravity machine. And then uh, I trained in, in, in my little, in my apartment because, you know, where we're at, I would have to drive like, you know, 15 minutes away to get to a gym. So it, it was hard. And then, then, you know, at first we were pretty consistent hitting pads with my trainer, Scott. And then as um, soon as he started working and the movie started filming and then he, his part was up and then because um, he, I got him to be in most of the movie And then he was helping out with the fight coordination. He Like for his first experience, I was used to it. So for his first experience, like every time we're we're, we're driving back, I look back, like when they're shuttling his back, he's like nodding off. So, you know, it's just hard to train when you're doing a movie and you're expected to do a lot in the film, you know?
0: I I think people underestimate just like – even like say for example, just doing like the the, uh, the the podcast when you're the one that has to set everything up and everything, and you just have that pressure of, man, yes. I'm going to ring Kung, I'm going to take up his time, and yeah. fuck this thing better work. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. and and just just little things like that. And for example, now for for us, it's three a.m. for for me. So you get up, you do that. Oh. Okay, cool. Da 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 da. And um, you know, when when we turn this off, obviously I've been awake. I'm talking to you. And then I go back to try and get some sleep, and then go on with my day. And I think just just that takes up so much more energy than people realise, you know. And when you're yeah. in front of a camera and you're talking to people and you're you're concentrating on something, and you're concentrating like you you can't really just get there. And just because Kung Lee's having a bad day, he's going to go out there and do a shit job. Nobody cares. Like nobody cares that. You know, I think I don't know who it was. I was saying, was saying, um, I think they were acting, or they were either an actor or a comedian or something. And he's like, it was um, Hugh Jackman, and he's talking uh-huh. about being on Broadway. And he said, he said when he when he he goes out there and looks in the crowd, and he goes, they don't care that he's done eight shows this week. You know, that person, it's their first time seeing him and it's the kind of same thing as well nobody cares you got a fight coming up um you know they're paying you to do the film you got to do the film then if you want to train like that's why i find that incredible i find it incredible the amount of films that you did and um the amount of fights and the high level fights that you had yeah
1: like, yeah i mean look i of course you know i try never to look back right but looking back a few times i'm like man you crazy right but um I just feel I'm grateful that God gave me the the discipline so I can continue and be that that person who wants only the best. Like whether how tired I am, if I knew I had to do a scene study and get my dialogue down, I would do it. Or if I came back and I wanted to refresh what my action was going to be for the next day, whether it's a fight scene or a tactical scene, I I would rehearse it before I go to bed. So it's fresh in my mind. And when I'm resting, it's, 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 flowing in my head. Right. So I, I feel blessed that, that God gave me my discipline and the opportunity. So I feel like since he's given me the opportunity, I don't want to blow it. Right. So, and then of course, when it's time to fight, I give it all I got. So when I'm in training camp, I, I'm, I'm committed all the way, you know, and, th- and there's been training camps where I did a training camp and I had to go and do a movie, but I would bring my trainers along and I would, you know, and I would do what I could do, but it was, it's very exhausting. And you know, just like you, you're, you're, you're doing 3.00 AM. So sometimes I've had a 3.00 AM call and, and you, you get up and your body's not used to it and you get on set and you wake up and you're like, okay, like you have to be fresh. It's nighttime. It's cold. It's raining you're completely soaked, you know, and you shoot that scene over and over and over and over. And until they say, okay, moving on next scene, change, change out. You get out of your clothes, you put on the next stuff and you, you're, you're, you're shooting the next scene and you put in your 12, 14 hour days. And I've had two 24 hour days already, you know, one with Donnie Yen on bodyguards and assassin uh, uh, on bodyguards and assassin. And one on dragon eyes, because we, we we finished all of our fights, and it was a night shoot. We got up, um, we we got back to our our hotel. Then we had to go to the gym and rehearse the next fight scene for the next day. It was like nonstop.
0: You did a is is Donny is sorry because I'm not fully familiar with the stuff, but uh, Donny Yen is a gentleman that you made a quite an iconic fight scene with. Did, did you not? Am I yeah. correct? Have I got the names right?
1: That was like the best action sequence of 2009 in the Hong Kong film film awards it's that's like their academy awards you know and that movie like swiped up nine nine awards out of like 14 so we, i was blessed to be part of that movie and working working hard on that movie and then uh, being able to have a voice because i spoke up and i said why are we fighting inside a fish uh, you know market and there's two and a half blocks of 1905 hong kong so I ended up, uh, you know, talking to the producer well, well, I actually, I asked Donnie, Donnie's like, you asked him, you know, you asked you asked the producer. And then, so we ended up, um, reshooting our whole fight scene and I did my part in five days and Donnie did his, his part, you know, and then I was able to get back to a comic con to, um, to promote my other movie going on, you know, so.
0: So, so you had another movie in the uh, in the background as well. So, what like yeah, yeah. you had that movie, another movie, and in two thousand and nine, you were still fighting. Yeah, and the guys you were fighting were no joke. They were that was a, the highest of the highest level. Um, before yeah. before we get onto the fight career, because we we just sort of kicked off, and you know, there was a there's a whole bunch of other questions I want to ask you, but before we kind of wrap the fight the the movie part up, which we'll probably touch on again. I was researching some stuff about you. Obviously, I knew that you did your own stunts. But in in the midst of me looking up stunts and everything and da-da-da, it was like a bizarre case of serendipity. I saw Steven Seagal doing some work or something with DC. Then I read – and then I looked looked that up and I thought, all right, I'm going to look him up a little bit. And I looked him up. And then there was like a a, a case of – that stunt people complained that he would go super hard on them. And then I was mm-hmm. thinking, you're a stuntman. Have you come across that type of stuff? And also, does he actually have anything to do with DC's training that you know of?
1: No, not at all. Not at all.
0: How, how, what, what's Is that just a, a, a publicity thing? Can you speak on that?
1: Um, you know, I really I, I don't know what Seagull does. You know, I, I had a run-in uh, when um, it was UFC 148 when I fought Patrick Coté and um, – um, I forget uh er- Erwani. He uh he kind of led me into a little trap that he did about Steven Seagal. And then um, you know, I, I bit I bit on it and, you know, I just basically said that, you know, it's not Stephen Seagal who 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 built MMA, you know, and you know, I I listed like Randy Couture, Chuck Liddell, you know, um, I even gave credit to like, you know, uh, Dana white and the fertita brothers back then because uh, the fact that he brought up sigal uh, was like a little a little uh, sh- shock shocker but i i should have known that he was he, he <laughs> um um but you know um it, it's it, it, you know it, it it's just it, it, i i've been i've been in the game so long you know and and uh, you know i, I i've had a, the experience of everything that you know, that could happen, you know, happen. So I, I I lived. I lived in that that and I had a great journey and now it's like on to the next journey. And at the same time I was doing both because I was making sure that I was able to continue, you know, but at the same time, you know, look, look, look what's going on. You're in a pandemic. There's no films going on. What are you doing? How how do you supply? How do you make you know money for your for your family? Make sure you're paying rent. You know, making sure that your know, your kids you know are fed. You know, so it's uh I feel I feel like I'm blessed and with everything that I I've been in with tactical with the with the partners I've teamed up with like Bay Area Tactical and evoke Tactical and um and now I'm I'm filming a a little like uh, a TV show called Fight or Flight. I'm rebooting it because I had that film before. But then at that time, um, my uh, my guest, uh, well, my, yeah, at the time it was a guest host. He thought he was bigger than the project. And I learned, you know, very, I, I, I learned the difficult way, uh, the school of hard knocks, you know, because he was a another Vietnamese car- uh, brother where we shook on it. You know, and then at the end when, you know, I paid him for his work and and he wanted, you know, ownership in, if I use his likeness. So, you know, you learn the hard way. And now, now that everything's really, I've got all that experience, all that knowledge, I'm doing things right for, 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 you know, what I plan to do, you know, and, and, you know, in my life now, you know, so.
0: I'm um, going. So let's let's start more now at the beginning because I, I guess we started kind of in the middle, worked you know all, all over the place. Um, yeah. T- tell me, you you were born you were born in Vietnam. You came to yep. you you went to the United States. Um, sort of incorporating that and your martial arts journey. Can you tell me a little bit about your childhood, who you were as a kid?
1: Well, I was uh, I didn't speak any English. Uh, I came over here when I was um, turning three. And I was, I left a week before the fall of Saigon and I was in three, three different refugee camps. Then um, by the time we got to Monterey, which was the last, um, refugee camp, um, we got a sponsor and we, we lived with the sponsor for almost a year. And then, uh, my grandfather got on his feet and we bought a house in San Jose and, you know, we were that typical family that, um, that, you know, 12 to a four bedroom house, but there's the one bedroom that was my grandparents and one bedroom that, which was my great grandmother. And, um, you know, one bedroom that was with my aunts and then uh, my mom and then me and then the other pictures with uh, my uncles, you know, so we were all stuck together, you know, in, we were sardine into a house. So we were that typical Asian family that packed into a house. And then, um, and then, uh, you know, um, I was bullied and, Eventually, my mom put me in martial arts, and I started doing martial arts. But then I found wrestling, and the wrestling between wrestling and martial arts it, uh, kept me out of trouble. And, and did you get into
0: me, a lot of trouble, like growing up? Did, were you a kid that got the, into we, trouble?
1: I was younger. I was bullied a lot. I was getting picked on a lot because I, I felt like, you know, no one's educating the kids what's going on, why their uncle or their dad died in Vietnam. You know, so there was a lot of. Um, racism, a lot of hate, you know, um so you know, and I didn't speak that, speak English that well. So, you know, just growing up was tough, but it it helped me become the person I am today. So.
0: You know, you just said that you, you wrestled in high school. Like I think a lot of people cuz I I used to cuz I, I used to watch a fight. So I used to I, I knew who you were. Um and I I remember a couple of fights like I was saying to people, now I I got this guy like I know cuz I I knew were you were, But you were like a, a high school – I didn't tell people this because I, I actually won a bit of money on you uh, with my friends. But you were like – you were an all-American wrestler in high school. You were – Yes, um, I was an
1: all-American.
0: You were junior – Cali- Yeah, you were junior, junior college American. California champion. Am I correct? Yeah, yeah you, you were junior I, college
1: – I wrestled year-round since seventh grade.
0: Yes, yeah, so, because – correct me if I'm wrong. You wrestled – um, you've even got some titles in Greco-Roman as well.
1: Yeah. Um, as a junior, I went to the AAU nationals and for, for, uh, for the division there, they had Sambo there and I never even wrestled, you know, tried Sambo. I just entered it because, you know, I, I was there anyways. I want to get as much experience as possible. So I, I won the Sambo, I won the Greco-Roman and I won the freestyle. And, um, you know, so I was a triple crown national champion for the AAU nationals, you know, and then. You know um I was quite tired in the finals for freestyle and then um i I, I had a, a three time state champion I can't remember z- exactly from montana or 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 Indiana I can't remember exactly w- what state he was from but uh I was I, I just remember I was down four0 like I looked up I'm like dang you know and it was like last round and I got a big five point throw and I put him on his back and he got he fought off and I got another tilt and so, so I, I, ended up winning by um, three points, you know? So, um, and it was like, like right at the end. And, and then I just remember laying there for a bit, like I was so exhausted from wrestling, like, you know, four or five matches in, um, in, uh in, in ensemble. Then I did like probably like seven or eight and, in, in 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 Greco and I probably did the same in freestyle. So I just, you know, like, you know, the ref's are you OK? I'm like, yeah. So he actually helped me up. I went there, shook his hand and, um, you know, uh, my 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 coach gave me a hug. And then I just sat, uh, you know, I turned in my bout sheet and I just sat there for literally like 30 minutes, like just absorbing on what happened and that I was a triple crown national champion as a junior. You know, so, um you know, it was, it was good times, you know, a lot of good memories.
0: Because a early strike force, I remember I was watching with a, with a mate of mine, and uh, he. I said to him, um, "We, you know, we, you know, sometimes you watch with your friends and you bet whatever, da 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 da." But I'd been waiting for this one for a while, and um, I hustled him for about two hundred bucks with you, and he was like, "I said, <laughs> yeah, no, the Taekwondo guy, I'll, go, I'll do, I'll, I'll, but I knew, like, I, I'd already known the." the history of, you, of who you were you know um so thank you for that I, I I'm glad I got the opportunity to thank you um so with the with the senshell, did did you start with Sancho? did you or no you, you started that as a as an adult did you not
1: yeah yeah um, remember I when I started Taekwondo I did it for a short amount of time but the, my same taekwondo teacher also taught Vietnamese traditional kung fu. So at the age of 10, I started doing, you know, that, but my mom, she was working too many jobs, you know, she was trying to make ends meet. So I was, I was never able to pass my test because I I never trained consistent enough. And then, so eventually I just, um, got discouraged because everyone was like, when I started, everyone who started at the same time with me was already like Th- two or three belts ahead of me, so I ended up dropping out of um, taekwondo. And my mom put me in there so I can learn self-defense, so I can defend myself. But then that's when I found uh, wrestling. You know, I found wrestling in seventh grade, and and then um and then uh you know it's uh, it was uh it's something that I I loved right away. You know, so
0: D- during that time in uh you know how you talk about bullying and whatnot, during that time would be. So you, you were born in 75 am I correct or 70, 70. 72 so yeah. so let's say early 90s late 80s San Jose were there a lot of other asian people there
1: Oh yeah there was a lot of uh, San Jose has the second biggest vietnamese population in in the US i believe next so to Orange or yeah
0: what, so the bullying that you that you experienced was it um at school from people that weren't Asian or did you experience bullying from other Asians as well?
1: Um mostly um the whites and um some some blacks and uh and a lot of Mexicans. Yeah.
0: And but, it it became physical, always became physical?
1: Oh yeah. I, I used to go home come home with uh, you know, bloody nose or you know, black eyes or something.
0: Yeah. Did do you feel that when you started wrestling the way you carried yourself changed and, or or did you actually have to fight like with with people like um or was the fact that you were starting to become a standout wrestler enough for people to just go okay we are good with this guy
1: uh, you know what i think it's just the way my mom taught me uh, you know i was a little scrappy guy my first day in wrestling practice I, I was pinning guys already that that you know i had no experience i was just stronger and faster and you know, very athletic. Um, um, so like they would put me on my back with our bridge off and put them on their back and they couldn't get off their back. So um, uh, it's just what my mom, you know, how she taught me as, 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 as a kid and to, to, to be respectful and only fight unless your life depended on it. I didn't, I didn't, comprehend that very well so so when someone beat me up i was like oh i'm not dying so i'm not gonna fight back you know so i didn't understand completely but then you know i came home with like you know a bloody bloody nose and a black eye and my mom's uh did you do anything to the other kid i said no you said don't fight back unless your life depended on it she's uh okay no you fight back if someone's you know picking on you or hits you if they hit you or push you, fight back right away. Then right after that, someone pushed me or someone got my face. I was the first one throwing punches, you know. And then, and then, then when I started doing wrestling, it was just double leg, slam down, and they were done, you know. So, um, you know,
0: you. When I watch your fights, the thing that stands out to me is your unorthodox striking, your kicks, and your ability to chain. From the Sand show and from the wrestling and from all that, your ability to 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 chain unorthodox takedowns. But one of the things that um stays in my head is when you fought Frank Shamrock and you broke his arm. We was that was that? Do you remember the moment when you broke his arm? Did you know? Yeah. That?
1: I well, I knew. I heard him in the first round with the kick because he was blocking like if I was throwing a hook, so he's blocking it like I was punching him. But it was my shin bone. And I saw him, like, you know, that that pain. And I, I knew it wasn't broken then, but then I kept kicking because he kept blocking that way. And I, and I remember going back to the corner thinking that if I kept kicking at his head and he blocks that way, I'm going to break his arm. And I remember in the third round when I kicked and I hit him, I heard it was so loud, like I can hear the bone snap. It It wasn't like a little fracture. It broke like that. And it it was so loud that I knew that his his arm broke. But he was such a tough competitor. I came in at him. I saw him try to shake it off. And, you know, I I remember I threw a couple punches. I had him on the fence. I even round kicked his face. And he even punched me with the same arm. And then that hurt him even more. And I stood there for a second. And I walked back to my corner. And I remember Javier Mendez He's and like like I'm all, it's over and Javier's said it's not over till it's over I'm on oh it's over look at him, he's laying down over there and then Javier looks over there and then you know that's when uh you know we just all started celebrating so yeah
0: you in the stadium in the middle of all of that the crowd everything you kicked his arm and you heard it snap like a like a board
1: he, it was louder than a board it was. How how I describe it's almost like a, mm, it, it's just loud, like <laughs> like it's loud.
0: And when when you saw him lying down, it, it was done. Hey, you.
1: Yeah, I went back to my corner. And I peeked out and I I saw him. He never made it back to a stool. And when I peeked out, he was on his on his knees, and then and he fell over and rolled on his back. I was like, oh, it's done, it's <laughs> over. And then, uh, you know, Javier's not over till it's over, you know, but it was definitely loud because I remember Javier told me um, no wheel kicks or anything in the first round. Just 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 get your points on him in the first round. And I remember I I did a wheel kick and he ducked right underneath it and bumped me and I flew like right to my back and uh, popped up on my force and he jumped on. He tried to put a guillotine on me and I, I popped up. And then um, I couldn't hear anything because the crowd was so loud. And when I, I remember, I came back, um, and Javier's, all, I told you not to do any will kicks, and I, and I was like, I, I couldn't hear you. He's on. No, I told you before the fight. I was like, oh, Yeah, you did.
0: All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, another fight. Uh, because man, you people don't know. Like you, you stopped Rich Franklin as well. Like Rich Franklin's a former UFC fighter, uh, UFC champion. Um, yeah and then you fought uh well not and then you fought vandalay first you were meant to fight Vitor, um yeah but you you dropped the as well if i remember correctly with a with a spinning uh back fist am i correct yeah um can spinning. you can you speak about some of those fights like some because they're, they're pretty iconic fights like I, I don't feel that that people um fully give you credit or fully understand who you fought and who they were at the time because you know when when you say frank shamrock at the time frank, Sh- frank shamrock was man you you fought for the title and then strike force well, that was leading into strike force having arguably one of the deepest ufc uh, middleweight rosters in you know had the you had the ufc with um anderson and a lot of other guys but then a lot of the top middleweights that came afterwards was Jacare, tim kennedy rockhold and everything they, they like that was probably a stronger middleweight roster, and you were a middleweight title holder at Strikeforce. Then you fought Patrick Cote, who fought for the belt, and you beat him. Yeah. And you had a back and forwards fight with with Van um, uh, You fought actually, Bisping. Yeah.
1: If you watched the fight against Van I, I I pretty much I I dominated the first round. It got a little bit closer in the second round, but I was still winning. You know, um, and then uh, yeah, I, I I just wasn't. I just wasn't in the best shape for that fight you know um, again, you know as, as you get older, you you know train and, and I think that was a, just a, a reason that I had a pullback from training at AK because I couldn't keep up with the amount of sparring that they do and then you know the, you know it's not like sparring's like light over there. Sparring's like you know you're fighting for your life over there. Uh, you know, a lot of times and then, you know, they have a lot of high caliber guys, but, you know, um, I've been in in I've been in enough war where I don't need to be in more wars in practice, you know, so, you know, during, during, during training camp, <clears throat> you know, Javier was, you know, getting, um, uh, I think Kane was getting ready for a fight with Dos Santos and there's just a lot of fighters there and, you know, I was getting banged up in there and, uh, you know, I, my, my, my main training partner was King Mo, you know, and so. I, I, you know, King Mo, you know, uh, got he definitely got the best of me in during during the wrestling rounds uh, uh, during you know my training camp, AK, you know, him, you know, did so, you know did me in pretty good, but I you know it was my first fight at UFC, I wasn't gonna pull out.
0: Did he Even did he break I,
1: your ribs? I he cracked my rib. Yeah, like it was just from a, a, like a body slam too, you know, because he came down on it and then um. Uh, you know, I just sucked it up, and I said, you know, I'm just gonna go in there and, you know, try to knock him out in the first round. And after the first round, I'm like, oh shit, uh, I'm 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 already tired, you know. So I came out there and I just kept trying to, you know, try to continue. And I was I was still winning the round until he caught me, you know. So it's just uh, it is what it is. It just happens, you know.
0: I, I guess the 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 point that I'm making is like Bisping ended up winning the belt. Patrick Cote fought for um, he fought for the belt. Um, if you don't know who Vandalay Silva is, you shouldn't you know? You shouldn't even be talking about fighting. Rich Franklin was a former uh, um, a belt holder, yeah. and and at the time, this was much closer to to when all of these guys obviously were at their peak. So the four guys that you fought in the UFC, not to mention all the people that you fought outside of the UFC. With some really, really high caliber people, and you were like right in there with all the in all those fights, and and that's why I feel like there there isn't really the the, the talk of your accomplishments as a fighter because and enough, I don't think you know what I mean. Like as, I don't know, man. Some of, like t- to me, that's a that's a pretty much a who's who in four fights. I can't think of that many people that had a tougher debut and four fights in the ufc you know what i mean in fairness you were the champion coming in from strike force but but still it wasn't a no joke
1: wasn't the champion remember uh I, um, that's
0: yeah no no you're right sorry
1: but i did revenge my loss to scott smith you know and actually scott smith had those two wars against um no nope. uh, robbie And
0: uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah
1: no and you know the, the the one that they stopped the fight i felt like you know he was, he was doing very well. You know, the fight could have went either way, you know, and then, um, and then the last fight, it was, it was a, a amazing fight there too. And then Robbie caught him with the knee to the body, you know, and then, um, that, and that, and was studying that fight, I said, I'm going to go to the body and hit him with spinning back kicks, you know? And then, uh, so, it, you know, I, I felt like I had a great career, but you know, now that I'm fighting for all the fighters and I feel like, you know, it's, uh you know my faith is really strong in in you know in god and um in christ so i'm um, i'm doing god's work and in the end you know um i think uh I, it's been an honor to step in in the cage and in the ring with a lot of great amazing fighters around the world i represented america in um three different world championships i i defeated many great champions and 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 um you know in the end you know um i think Getting into God's Hall of Fame is is my my main goal. You know, it's, it's how I finish and um, you know what I do in this world and how how many people I touch, how many people I help, and um, you know, and ho- hoping I get into that Hall of Fame in 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 you know in God's in God's Hall, Hall of Fame. You know, so that would be that would be awesome. I
0: I have a a question for you on the AKA stuff as well. Um were you at AKA when Khabib was there?
1: No, I wasn't.
0: Okay. No. What's your take on this uh Khabib versus Gaethje fight?
1: Oh, that's going to be that's going to be war. I think that's that now that probably be fight of, you know, fight of the year, you know, because uh you know um both guys wrestle well. You know, um I think the wrestling edge will go to you know Khabib. But Khabib, again, you know, he's because of his wrestling, his striking becomes more of a threat because everyone's so worried about getting taken down and getting submitted or getting punched on. But, uh, you know, we'll see what happens, you know, because uh, uh, Justin is, uh, he, he's also a really good wrestler, too. So. He was
0: a Division One wrestler. Yeah. And but so
1: the, Khabib wrestled, fought a lot of Division One wrestlers, yes. too, I believe.
0: Yes, so, yes, yes. Um,
1: we'll, we will see. Um, we will see what happens and um I I'm just looking forward to that fight. No. So that that's gonna be a great fight.
0: If you had to make a prediction?
1: I don't I don't predict for anything. I, I just enjoy the fights, you know?
0: Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Um, well, Kang, thank you so much, man. Thank you so much for giving up more than an hour of your time. I really, really appreciate it. Um sure. thank you so much, man. Uh, where can people find you and what projects have you got that's coming up?
1: Well, they can find me on uh, my Instagram, Kung Lee 185, my Facebook, uh, I'm very active on my Facebook and um, uh, I'm starting uh, to do a little training tips on my Facebook too. And I also have a YouTube page, Kung Lee Official. So um, yeah, those are how they can uh, keep up with what I'm doing and, or, or reach out to me.
0: Okay, thank you so much, uh, Kung Lee, and stay safe with COVID and everything with your family. Look after yourself. And again, thank you so much for doing this. You too. Thanks a lot. Have a great Take Keep care. Well. Bye-bye.